reparations. What is it? Is it a good thing? You know, this voice just keeps popping up in my head saying, were we ever really free? Were there any good old days? When are things ever going to be because of us, by us, and for us? What's up, everyone? It's Layton. I'm a senior at Christ School, and I'm going to be producing this podcast. But for the first episode, we're going to be talking about Black reparations in Asheville. And for my special guest, her name is Deja Elliott. And Deja, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course. Hey, everyone. My name is Deja, as Layton said. And just a little introduction about myself. I will be studying public health at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. And I will also be minoring in business there. Okay, okay. So let's get let's get right into it. Are you ready? Are you I'm ready? ready. I'm ready. Okay. So my first question is, what do reparations look and feel like to you? So I think reparations can take many forms, um, such as forms of payment and also just acknowledgments to the harms that have been done by slavery. Um, I think also honoring the memory of enslaved people, um, just with like statues and plaques and things like that, just monuments. Um, and I think also providing equitable resources for the descendants of enslaved people. So what do you think, out of all those options, what do you think is like the most obtainable for right now, like most realistic? Um, I think definitely acknowledgments to the harm that's been done. I think that can be done on a national platform, not just local. Um, but I think the hardest part about acknowledgement, acknowledging the harms that have been done specifically is how people like are receptive of that. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, people still use that excuse of slavery was this long ago. Yes, that is the case, but the harms of slavery are still affecting of enslaved people today. Right. Um, just about like acknowledging and stuff and like the like you said plaques and statues and stuff i think that some you know places in the south are kind of trying to do that to some extent like i know that they just recently maybe like not recently like the last five years but they just made the um that lynching museum or that national memorial for peace and justice that's what it was called but that's in montgomery in Alabama and you know I watched a video on that it's just like it's crazy because they have like all the lynchings in America and stuff you see that and it's like right in front of you so you have to acknowledge it and just like really let it sink in mm-hmm. and I think museums like that are great especially for a visual representation of harms that have been done by slavery all right so my next question is, in your view, what are the main objectives of a Black reparations initiative and how do you think it could contribute to addressing systemic racial inequalities? That's a great question. 
It's a very heavy question. So, I believe that the main objectives are to probably repair the extreme violation of human rights that have emerged from slavery. And I think ultimately, the initiative also works towards repairing racial injustices. And I just think that people of color have systematically been denied of quality education, employment, and fair housing mm-hmm. due to those those like social injustices. With housing and stuff, can you think of some examples like here in Nashville? Um, I think definitely gentrification with rebuilding low-income communities. Whenever those communities are rebuilt, the prices are spiked. And I honestly, I can't think of any um, specific locations in Asheville, but I can remember I took a vacation to Charleston, South Carolina about a year or two ago. and. I saw a lot of gentrification there just because there there are a lot of plantation sites and museums in Charleston just because that was a very huge location in the slave trade. And I just saw some of those locations were being preserved properly and then other locations that were majority black communities were being rebuilt and they were no longer affordable to the original residents that used to live there. Yeah. I think that's a huge issue. Yeah, and that's definitely a big, big problem around the U.S. today because it's just like pushing African-Americans just like out of their domain and stuff, and especially places that have been, you know, generational, that have been passed down from generation to generation, and then just to push push them out, rebuild a um, a community, and then just jack up the prices it's like it's a really huge huge problem and i i know a lot of people who are trying to make sure and slow that process down Mm -hmm. in Asheville. and then i think when people may sell their property or homes because they're like rebuilding things the buyer the buyer buys that property or home for whatever it's worth right now but then like a year down the road it'll be worth tens of thousands more so then i feel like people aren't being fairly compensated for their property but my third question what strategies would you propose to ensure that a black reparations program is both fair and effective in providing redress for historical injustices well repeat the question for me uh, I got you. I got you. I'm sorry. What strategies would you propose to ensure that a black reparations program is both fair and effective in providing redress for historical injustices? Well, I think that I'd start off with the acknowledgments. So just acknowledging all of the things and naming all of the damage that's been done. And I think the first step that I'd probably take is to like restore land. I guess that's like similar to what we were just talking about, but restoring land for the purpose of affordable housing and having affordable housing in majority black communities. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that if somebody got, if somebody, a black family got it taken away 
a while ago, they should be recompensated for that. Just with land or I mean, I'm not saying that because I feel like once something has been done, then it, it's kind of done. Like, yeah. if somebody else is living in that property, then you can't really do that. I wouldn't want to just like take that yeah. from them, even though it was ours or whatever. I think, I think taking, I don't know, communities that are very, I don't really know what other word to use them, but like damage mm-hmm. communities that are damaged. Like redoing them, <laughs> making them work for I don't really know how else to explain. So it. like, no, I get what you're saying though. So like, taking taking um, you know, not not really too good of living conditions for for black people in low income communities. You're gonna take them, fix them up, and then give them back to the community and make sure that. Yes. Okay. No, I get what you're saying. To to ensure that they still have quality housing yeah. and quality living, but they're not struggling to pay their rent yeah. and don't know where their me- next meal is going to come from because they're trying to pay their rent. Yeah. Okay. So, um, earlier, I heard you talk about you know you mentioned your major public health. Mm-hmm. Um, this question actually relates to that. What okay. do you think reparations in healthcare could do for black mortality rates and racial inequity in healthcare? So, I mean, I believe it could do tremendous things for mortality rates. I think the first step that I would honestly take is creating equitable resources in black communities so that um black students can receive a quality education i think that alone could be the first step to getting more black doctors and you know due to the history of um awful medical and medical experimentation on black people i think that like experimentation from the tuskegee and syphilis experiment the j marion sims mother mm, let me just explain that sims was a gynecologist and he performed surgeries on black women she he had three three black slaves as test subjects and he would perform um he would try and perform c-sections on them with like no anesthesia he usually wouldn't have the right um i guess medication to like help them not get infections after that and so they ended up dying most of them and yeah but i think the whole point of that was just that experimentation has created a lot of mistrust with medicine and the black community so i think having more black doctors will help heal that mistrust and ultimately it'll i think it'll help heal that mistrust and i think that that'll be the start to black communities having more equitable resources to healthcare. Mm-hmm. you know if i don't know if that trust is regained and they feel more inclined to go to a doctor especially if that doctor looks like them. Right. Well, how does your major tie into it? 
my major so my major is in public health um and I have a concentration in public health education so I think that I could actually go in to black communities and inform them more on medicine because rather than making them go outside of their community I think I could be a better resource if I could enter our communities and inform them right in their backyard. I think that'll be a lot more comfortable. So like, how would you go about that though? So you would just take a group of people, go to a black neighborhood and be like, hey. You want your shots? I mean, yeah, like set up in a community center, do something like that. I think I think that people would be down. And I think that'll also help. It's like, don't have transportation, something like that. So you're trying to do big things. Big. Uh, last question. What's your opinion on what the city could be doing for Black Asheville now? Um, hmm. I think the city of Asheville could be informing Black residents on the current steps that they're trying to take and i guess just i guess do better with informing them more on what reparations could really look like because personally i don't think i'm the most informed on reparations today and what they could look like because you know of course i know you know enslaved people once they were free were supposed to get 40 acres and a mule but you know I think it's really difficult to interpret what reparations can look like now and, you know, just the steps that you would take to go about it. So I guess just keeping us more in the loop, I think. And I know there are votes taken on the city council, but I think just taking votes on, you know, what reparations could look like by Black residents in Asheville, I think that would help a lot just to, I don't know, just to put into perspective about what that looks like for Black residents in Asheville. Um, and I think that would honestly help more about the steps that you could take to achieve reparations for descendants of slaves in Asheville. Yeah. I think like being more involved in the community would also be a good idea. For sure. But that's all I have for you today. I appreciate you for coming on. I appreciate you for having me. But and thank you guys for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Right. Peace. My name is Layton. I'm the producer of this podcast. This is episode one. And in this episode, I just sat down with Deja Elliott and we talked about reparations in Nashville. I affirm my existence in this world. I realize I am more than my circumstances. I love the skin I am in. I have the knowledge and the ability to achieve everything I want. I won't allow racism to distract me from my greatness. I deserve to move through life with ease. I reject societal standards 
that don't align with me. I define black excellence because I am black excellence.